0: Hey, Vanessa.
1: Hey, Michael. So, I think our kids
0: have my sense of humor. Why is that? Did you see your daughter in the pool last weekend at your parents' house?
1: I mean, yeah, but what are you referring to?
0: Your dad was trying to teach her how to swim underwater. And he said, "Use get your butt against the wall and use your legs to push out." Right. For the next 10 minutes, she laughed and kept mumbling. <laughs>
1: But (laughs) does not surprise you
0: let's just say i was kicked out of the sexual education class in elementary school
2: welcome to fireproof your finances a show with 30 minutes of real questions real concepts and real answers your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duo with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard
0: deviation, I mean, I would talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation
2: of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in.
1: Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event.
2: This philosophy has led Michael to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fireproof Your Finances.
0: We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa.
1: Hello, everyone. So,
0: we're going to talk about where the market's at today, Mm -hmm. how far it's come. I have... So, I've got 60... This may surprise people. Probably won't. Listening. It won't surprise you. If you see my computer, you'll see... Oftentimes, if I have Internet Explorer or Google open, I'll have 15 windows.
1: Like times that by two. And that
0: 30.
1: A lo- yes. <laughs> got it. 30. Yes. No, you <clears> constantly <throat> open new tab, open new tab, open new tab. And it drives me insane. And
0: then I got all the icons up like about twice a year. I'll organize them. And then I have the same thing on my phone. I've been saving an article. Well, a lot of articles on there. I, I think I have 60 open tabs. Yeah. Yeah. And so i was scrolling through and I found one from August of last year. You that do
1: realize the performance of your phone would probably be so much better if you would close some of that, right? You
0: do realize I have a robust BlackBerry that still runs circles around your Apple. Uh-huh. Very much so. Okay. But before I dig into this, I I love sports. I was a college baseball player, so it hits home to me, especially football being canceled. But again, I promised I won't not go there. Not going to get into I'm it. I'm not going to go there. So I told, you know, if if you're just joining us, I talked about before at the beginning of the show how our daughter has a very immature sense of humor and she takes after me because when I was in elementary school, I was asked to leave the sexual education class because I laughed at things you're not supposed to laugh at.
1: Like the word but.
0: Yes. She laughed at but a lot this weekend. And and I mean, it was just funny, just uncontrollable. She had everyone around the pool laughing because she couldn't, she couldn't even hardly catch her breath. You thought she had coronavirus because she was wheezing in the pool. Right. Uh, That's how much she was laughing. Right. And it reminds me of a story and I was able to find it during our break. It's about, it's a baseball story. And so there's a baseball player. Who's he played for? Oh, the Blue Jays. Okay. Which aren't really the Toronto Blue Jays because they're playing in the U.S. They can't go back and forth between the countries because we have this whole COVID thing. I don't know if you've heard. Right. And so he was found, let's say, doing something somewhere in a parking lot with himself that he shouldn't have been doing. Yes. So... Now, the Braves, so the Blue Jays are playing the Braves. The Braves organist says this was completely by accident, but here's what the organist played when this player came up to the plate. It's called a walkout song. (laughs) Yes. Remember, this is the guy who was caught doing something in his car he shouldn't have been doing.
2: And on a night when the Braves would love, as you said, (laughs) Jeff, some length out of their starter... He's thrown 28 pitches, and he has one out to get in the third. Well, I think they'd love some length, but also...
1: <laughs> Somebody needs to give that woman a raise. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny.
0: Oh, man. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh Yeah, if it was hard for you to understand what that was, let's just say it was by Michael Jackson, and it rhymes with meet it
1: right okay do you even hear that when you walk out though yes do you
0: yeah i had an awesome song
1: because like when tony plays basketball he's like i don't really hear i'm focused
0: (laughs) yeah you're focused but you play that song at least we did um sometimes during our batting practice too so you were replicating the game
1: ah got it i mean basketball is different than baseball so i'll give it to you
0: yeah, mine was... Yeah, okay. And then I go, <laughs> hit!
1: <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: No, I didn't do that. Anyway. All right, so let's get into today's show. I've got an art. So here's the article I've been saving for... A year, almost. It is almost a year.
1: This coming Saturday, it's a you year. You've got to be
0: kidding me. Yeah. First of all, props to the BlackBerry for storing this like it did. Let's give credit where credit's due. Uh-huh. Second of all... I can't believe it's been on my phone that long.
1: I can't either.
0: Hmm. All right. So here's the title. It's from Bloomberg Businessweek. The author is Ben Steverman, and it's titled, Nervous Retirees Are Too Scared to Spend. And it says, a little short uh, summary, even rich Americans worry about living the good life and running short of cash. But, you know, it's this story has far more than that. I'll try to blast through it for you because um, the- he's
1: already speed read it to me and I've heard enough well what would your biggest <laughs> point be I from know. this basically what he is saying is the rich people are not spending their money in the way that he would deem an appropriate fashion which is to start another small business expand on their own business pump it into the economy and spend 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 they're hoarding it, and it's not fair. Yeah, and
0: who are you to say what they should be doing? Correct. Let me let me give you a couple of highlights. So he starts with the U.S. economic recovery, the longest in recorded history. Again, remember this is August of last year, pre-COVID, has increased Americans' wealth by fifty-two trillion, according to the Federal Reserve. Private equity firms search high and low for places to deploy more than a million dollars of investor cash. Banks enjoying a glut of deposits to pay savers interest rates that are minuscule from a historic perspective those interest rates that were minuscule right a lot of people would love today and then it says this all these riches should generate lots of economic activity the well-off could be buying I'm sorry I paused I was almost thinking is this author even insinuating because I feel like he is that the word not only could but should but that's up to everyone to determine for themselves the well-off could be buying themselves little luxuries or doing something more productive like starting new businesses or expanding old ones or they could donate more to charity at the very least the extra financial cushion should make americans feel more secure and he says if only and he goes on to say well why aren't they spending their money but you just said if they have more money they should feel more secure right which wouldn't that mean by the way watch this logical If having more money makes you feel more secure, then spending more money would result in you having less money, which would result in you feeling less secure.
1: Correct. And if you have more money and you feel more secure, I'm sorry, I'm not going to go out and spend it on frivolous little things because I have it.
0: Yeah, see, those who have something, right? Those who have wealth, and that's all perspective. Correct. I hate the fact that in this article they don't define wealthy.
1: Correct. Because there are people who think... People who make fifty thousand dollars a year are wealthy. It's all perspective. And then there are people who think that it takes a million dollars a year to be wealthy,
0: right? And and generally, it's whatever you don't have is. You know, most people aren't looking in the mirror, going, "Look at me, money bags." Hey,
1: <laughs> got got ten bucks in the bank, right? <laughs> <laughs> but
0: he's going on to say, "If you had more, you're more secure." And how you don't understand, then, therefore, if you spend more, you're less secure. Those who always spend when they have more don't have anything. Right. So those who have accumulated wealth have accumulated because they didn't spend more. Right. By the time they have more. Goes on to quote uh, from, here's from an actual advisor, I'm surprised how often I sit with retired couples and have to encourage them to spend more. Fair enough. You know what? That's actually a conversation I have to have sometimes too. Right. Or maybe it's not necessarily to spend more, but hey, here's our plan. Here's how much we assumed you would spend. And here's when we assumed you would retire. Right. But it should be goals driven.
1: Right. And it then shouldn't you, just be, hey, go out and spend some money on a designer purse. And then you have to find out why they're not doing it.
0: Um, but let's keep going. If well-off retirees are more frugal than necessary, they, they end up denying themselves the fruits of a lifetime of hard work. Why... Are we defining here the, fr- yeah, the fruits of hard work, just as the things we consume?
1: Correct. Maybe that's not important to them.
0: This is the this is the part where I just went off the. This sentence here is why I saved this for six months. Mm-hmm. No, not six months. A year. Blah blah blah, and then it says the vitality of the American economy suffers. Right. In other words, watch this. The next sentence, wealth is getting more and more concentrated among households that are averse to spending. In other words, if you don't have what you want, you don't have it because others who do have it aren't spending it.
1: Right. Or they're passing it down to their children, which makes their children that much more evil because they gained money from their parents.
0: But even later on in here, it says the children will spend it. Right. So it's basic. It it is not basically. It is absolutely, absolutely saying, that wealth is concentrated. You don't have wealth because those who worked really hard goes on and says, it's trillions. Watch this. And this is from, what is this? Another, oh, I don't want to say the person's name, but a fellow and a founder of a nonprofit called United Income Retirement Startup Group. Yes. And I'm going to finish with this, then we're going to take a quick break. He says, it's trillions and trillions of wealth That is not benefiting anyone except asset managers. Wait a minute. Up up here, the asset manager slash advisor said she's encouraging her clients to spend more.
1: Right. And And then here... It's not fair that they're holding on to it. And then here it's,
0: what the the heck? Yeah. This is unfair. If you don't have what you want, it's because these people are, are saving it. That's their right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Everyone knows I like to focus on
1: quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time.
0: Think again. Grmusiclessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubilee Brass Choir, and graduated from the University
1: of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. Welcome, everybody, to Segment 2 of Fireproof Your Finances. Join us on Twitter, at fireproofshow.com. No, on Twitter. Dot com. Yes, do this every time. I know, I get it wrong.
0: Right. I still have a hard time using it.
1: Yeah, I know you do.
0: Like, I I don't really realize when it's a conversation, not a conversation, and where to find stuff, and... Tweet us. I'll do
1: my best. You did respond to somebody on Saturday. There you go. It was very nice of you. I don't even very, know what you... It was very
0: nice of them. Yes, that is true. He said, your show's funny. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm funny.
1: Okay. <laughs> That's not what I said. Yeah. All right.
0: So here's that guy again with the uh, whatever institute of we want to take your money. Uh, he says, wealth is really a source of identity for people mm-hmm. by spending their wealth. They're losing some of their identity. There's an aversion to seeing their balances go down, even if it's excess wealth. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because again, no you're saying, like, here's where they went wrong. They have more than enough, so darn it, why aren't they spending?
1: Right. And there are people who have a <clears throat> complex with wealth. But and I'm there, sorry that's their
0: And there are people right. who identify with The fact that they're part of the country club. Right. But in general, from what I've noticed, the people who have those identities tend to spend it. Right. Because if your identity is showing
1: people what you have... You're going to buy a lot of stuff. You have to show it. You're going to be the top shelf at the country club with the best glass for the whiskey jar or whatever. (laughs) So there is some
0: truth to that. But again, going, even if it's excess wealth, well, who's defining if it's excess wealth? See, this goes back to the problem that we have that we, as one of the um, advisors in here said, I don't know why my clients aren't spending money. They keep denying themselves today for fear of what could happen tomorrow, even though I'm using sophisticated planning software. See, that's the problem.
1: It's just software. Software is wrong all the time. You're speaking in ways they
0: don't understand and you're not... You know there, there are there are tools in our industry, and I'm not saying it's it's isolated and relegated just to an annuity. Right. They don't want to get lost in well, what's my break-even analysis? They don't care. It's wait, I could spend some of this money that might be gone tomorrow because if the market might lose it or somebody might cough and sneeze on an airplane, and next thing you know, you got the outbreak movie with the little chimpanzee monkey, and you can't leave the airplane.
1: You're done. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or.
0: And then they're like, so I could spend some of this. It's not it's mine, but it's not really there because it could be gone tomorrow in order to defer my social security, and I believe my social security will be there and it'll give me more security. Yeah, that's what you can do. Right. Part of the reason people do those things isn't because they're mathematically superior. It's because it leads to more security. And when you have higher levels of security that aren't translated into, I feel secure because I have this amount of assets.
1: Software portfolio.
0: Yeah. I feel secure because I have this much income. And if I spend this income this month, Guess what? I get it again next month. Right. See, here's... Well, let me finish this last sentence in here. Wealthy retirees' reluctance to draw their savings... I'm sorry. Yeah, to draw down their savings is trapping millions of dollars. Get rid of a window. That could be stimulating the economy. How on earth do we get away with criticizing people? Now, again, this is August of last year. Right. Right. We know that February, March of this year, we did a ton of stimulus because we said, hey, the average American can't even absorb a $400 emergency. Right. Yet we're criticizing somebody who's 65 because they want to be conservative. They don't want their assets to go down because they think, hey, maybe something no one's talking about could happen. Right. Why do I get so angry?
1: Because it's hypocritical. You're going to sit here and tell people they need to save for retirement and you need to do this and you need to do that. Yet the people that did and who have amassed ridiculous amounts of wealth, maybe, you're now judging them. But most likely not. Correct. But most likely have amassed a comfortable
0: nest egg.
1: Right. And again, there are people who think $10 million is too much for people to have. Right. Unless they have it. Well, right. Unless (laughs) they have it. Personally, I think it's just a jealousy thing. I think it's rules. Here's the deal. If you've
0: built a set of rules and somebody accomplishes something, stop getting mad at that person unless they cheated. Right. If you follow the rules and you succeed, good for you. Right. Shake your hand. Oh, I'm not going to shake your hand now. That'd be really bad.
1: And quite frankly, I'm sorry, but if you're mad at the rules, you should probably go talk to the politicians who have been around for a long time who made those rules. Get the
0: rules changed then. Correct. You know, that's the thing. The government should play a role that gives us all opportunities, not who gives us the money. Right. Let's take our last break and when we come back, we'll dive into this a little bit further about where the market's at and maybe how you can get more security right now. Everyone knows I like to focus on
1: quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time
0: think again grmusiclessons.com has a plan for every budget owned and operated by tom buffum a christian music teacher who played for the grand Rapids symphony the Jubil brass choir and graduated from the university of michigan he's been giving lessons since before we were born
1: go to grmusiclessons.com that's grmusiclessons.com Hey, have you heard of the coronavirus? Yes, I have. And we're not talking about the one you get from the beer. We're talking about the one you get from big public events.
0: Right now probably isn't the best time to attend one of these large meetings where some guy tells you why annuities are great and the stock market is bad.
1: Because while the steak might look good, it's not worth
0: the risk. Instead, we're willing for the first time to bring you in one-on-one. Don't go to a big meeting and eat some steak that's been touched by Who knows how many people? Instead, come inside to our controlled office. Here's what we'll do. We're going to teach you about how to protect your money, teach you how to accomplish your goals, teach you how to maximize your Social Security benefits because that's what you want. Go online, LegacyFinancialNetwork.com, set an appointment or call us 616-589-4004. It's 616-589-4004 and set your individual appointment today all right welcome back everyone to the final segment of fireproof your finances it is always truly is a pleasure Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i might get worked up this is why my doctor keeps saying i need blood pressure medicine
1: or you could just go for a walk did i ever tell you he's like you know (laughs) like we gonna reveal something big like oh did i ever (laughs) tell you by the way i got diagnosed with cancer (laughs) no hey
0: he's like so he told me, he's last three years, he goes, you know, you should really be on some blood pressure meds. You're kind of hyper. Hyper. Yeah. He's like, you're, you're, you're hypertensive. Hypertension or whatever.
1: Okay. Well, that's hyper and hypertensive yeah, are two different things. It was things. both. Okay.
0: Yeah, both. And um, he goes, you know, by uh, not doing this, you're increasing your chances of a heart attack by t- or cardiac arrest or cardiac failure or cardiac something you don't want. Right. By 20%. Okay. So I look at him and I'm like, well, like if I didn't have this whole hyper thing you're talking about, what's my chances? He goes, 8%. And I go, sir, are you saying that my chances increase from 8 to 28% or are you saying that I have a 20% greater chance, meaning it goes from 8 to 9.6%? He probably wanted to throat punch you, didn't he? <laughs> he laughed. He's like, 20% increase. Mike, you go from 8 to 9.6%. i am like, oh yeah, we're good then. I'm yeah. like- and this is why, in the financial world, we use something called basis points. 100 basis points equals
1: 1%. We it, have touched on this before. Or, yes, well, definitely touched on this before. So,
0: let's go backwards. Why We started touching on it. But why do people utilize things like an annuity? Why do people defer their social security? Why do people put into something boring, you know, like a CD? or bonds.
1: Because with the way things are, something like a CD is almost guaranteed to be there. Lem
0: Yeah. Are I they trying to Yeah, I know. Guaranteed. I
1: know. Are they trying to
0: sabotage the US economy?
1: No, they're trying to put something away in case 2008 happens.
0: Right. Or random virus. Right. Let me put it differently.
1: Since we're not going to have sports this fall, <laughs> You guys are in for a long couple of months. <laughs> All need to pray for me. <laughs>
0: if if you're playing football, you remember the old uh, Lloyd Carr days?
1: Sure. I was like eight. Boring maybe.
0: Michigan football. We won, won a lot of games, but the moment we were up, it was boring. Run, run. It was run to the right, run to the left, run to the right, kick. Run to the right, run to the left, run to the right, punt. Right. That was it. Once you had a two-touchdown lead, that's what we did and we won a lot of games doing that Mm -hmm. because the moment you get the lead and the game's kind of secure, haven't you afforded yourself the opportunity to play the game differently
1: yes you've afforded yourself the luxury to calm down take the starting first lineup i was gonna say starting lineup but take your first line out and put your second line in or
0: maybe you're even keeping them in but you're putting them in less riskier positions
1: true why don't we apply
0: that same methods to finance because we have this thought well If you're not taking enough risk, right? Like that's what that article was saying. Well, you got to keep taking risks because if you don't take enough risk, you're not going to have enough money. Right. And if you have more money, you'll feel better.
1: But then you're a jerk for keeping it. Right. (laughs) So I feel better because I have more money, (laughs) but now you want me to spend it because I'm evil if I
0: don't. (laughs) Here's the thing. There's not a single person that when they go from 10 grand in the bank account to 15, doesn't feel more secure. Right. There's not a single person who goes from 10 to 15 who wants to voluntarily go back to 10. No. So it does lead to increased level of security. And I will tell you, higher levels of income are the absolute, absolutely highest levels of security. Because you know you can kind of be done with it. Right. It's like, you know, if I, if I go and blow this month's worth of income, it comes back tomorrow. See, there's a flaw in financial planning, I believe, right now. Think about it this way. The average worker they put into, let's say they start on their 401k at 30. Okay. They retire at 65. Yep. Okay. Um, And I'm kind of looking forward right now, but it it applies to people retiring today. So they've been putting into the market for 35 years. Mm -hmm. By the time they get to retirement, they should be well versed in market volatility. In theory,
1: correct? In theory, but most people are not. But here's why.
0: Out of those 35 years, between 30 and 65, as they've been working, where did they get their income from? Working. Wages, right? Right. How many, how many paychecks was their monthly income dependent on the performance of the U.S. stock market during that 35 years? Zero. Or close to zero. Let's be fair. Almost zero, right? Probably yeah. zero, but almost zero. Right. Yet, when we take Social Security early, and then we're going to subsidize it with withdrawals from the retirement account... Is, there reta- is it not true then that every single check is somewhat dependent on the performance of the U.S. stock market?
1: Yes, it is. Even if we have
0: sophisticated tools that project, oh, you're fine, that you- doesn't mean anything to
1: people because they don't use that tool. Right. They're not the ones pushing the buttons. They're the ones just talking to somebody who pushes the buttons.
0: It's like talking to the mechanic and you call him because your engine light went on. And they go, dude, you're fine. That kind of car comes on all the time. Don't worry. Just bring it in. The next oil change. Come in if it's blinking. If it's not, you're good. Right. The b- bulk of us, don't we go, good, but I got a yellow light. It's there. Every time I go to turn my you know car on, I see yellow light staring at me. It bugs you. It does. Even though you're told it's fine. Right. So even though you're told you can spend, because my, my sophisticated tools say you'll be fine. It's not part of our everyday vernacular. No. And you've never spent, but most of you when you retire, zero or close to zero of your monthly paychecks were ever dependent on the performance of the S&P 500. No, they weren't. And so suddenly you get into retirement and we have this false belief as advisors that you understand volatility and you have a stomach for it. And we'll even say, well, you're closer to retirement, so we're going to scale back the risk a little bit. It's completely different. Right. When all of a sudden you take money out and you see it lost, it's completely different. You've never been in that type of position. Right. So if we have a habit that you've been doing for 35 years, for 35 years you've never been dependent on the market to determine your paychecks, then why do we suddenly, at the very point in life where you're probably the most least risk adverse you've ever been why do we therefore expose you to the same risk you've always had but will feel differently than it's ever felt? It's flawed. It is. Why wouldn't we use that to your advantage? Instead, I, I've got like two minutes so I'll make it really quick. A lot of people say, oh, Mike, I want to balance portfolio. Portfolio. It's like the catch word, right? Do you know what that means? Most people do. They go, well, if the market makes 10, I make five. Cool, good for you. You got, whoop, hey, I don't know what that was but good for you. I hit a button. And watch this. What if I put half in a CD making, so balanced portfolio, I get half the market, I get half the risk. If the market makes 10, I get make five. Market loses 20, I lose 10. Market loses 40, I lose 20. Okay. Half the return, half the risk. Yep. Watch this. What if I put half, and I'm oversimplifying, but it'll make sense. What if I put half in the US stock market? Mm Mm-hmm. Just S&P 500, really, really simple. And I put half in a CD making 1%. Incredibly boring. Right. Don't I have half the risk of the overall market? No. Why? If the market loses 40 and half my money's in it, I'll lose 20. It's the same as the balanced portfolio. It's not, though. Why? I don't know. It is. <laughs> it absolutely is. So if I put half in the market and I put half in a CD making 1%, watch this. So I, I wanted a balanced portfolio, I want half the gains. If the market makes 20, I make 10. If the market loses 20, I lose 10. Right? Yeah. You get half of whatever it is. Okay, so real simple. Watch this. If I put half my money in the market mm-hmm. and the market makes 20...
1: Mm-hmm. half
0: my money made 20. Okay? Okay. And if I put half my money in a CD that makes one, half my money made one. Mm-hmm. So half made 20, half made one. What's the average of 20 and one? So what's the Ten. average? A little bit higher. What's It'd be Point .5. Yeah. So when I tried to do a balanced portfolio, half the risk of the market, half the return, I got 10. But now by putting half in the market and half in a CD, I actually get a little higher return. But right. here's what's important.
1: So when I argued with you earlier and said, no, you don't get half, you said... In a nope. balanced
0: portfolio, I said, you get half. <laughs> In, with the with the constraints and the, the parameters I just gave. Right. But here's what happened during COVID with our clients and how we planned it. Their withdrawals were on autopilot. If you're withdrawing now, yours were too. We had all the withdrawals set up to come out of the half mm-hmm. that was like the CD. Right. That was very boring. It was stable. Now, some people took a little bit more risk. Some took less. But it meant it lost very little if it lost at all. Right. So the benefit of doing it that way is we didn't sell anything off that had just had major losses. Right. And you allowed the part that had just gotten clobbered. To stay clobbered and and work its way back. And come back because it did. And historically, it always has. Right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. It's always a pleasure. Till next week, we are your hosts. This has been another episode of Fireproof Finances. God bless.
2: This has been Fireproof Your Finances with Michael and Vanessa Marquis. Want to listen to past shows or get in touch with Michael or Vanessa? Head over to twitter.com slash